Welcome to the Grace at a Glance podcast from Grace Church of Linnets and Grace Creative. We are a Jesus church where the gospel is central, where we love Jesus, build people, and lead revival. Thanks for joining us. guys this morning. Really good to see you. I want to just kind of bring your attention to this Jesus sign here for a moment. Some of you guys know exactly what that's about. I believe it was talked about a little bit last week, but some of you weren't here last week, and some of you maybe are even just visiting with us. So just want to share real quick what this means. See, each light bulb in this Jesus sign represents a person who put their faith in Christ for the first time over the past 13 months. And so we're just really, really excited because we've had a number of people put their faith in Jesus in the last few weeks. A lot did during our VBS. And so now, in the past 13 months, we've had 66 people put their faith in Christ for the first time. So we're just just so thankful to God for what he's doing in people's lives. And we're going to be having some baptisms coming up in November and just excited to celebrate. We'll get to hear some stories then of things that God has done in people. Speaking of stories, there's one individual who gave me permission recently to share that he's been coming to Grace for about a year with his family, and he, for 15 plus years before, had struggled with a pornography addiction. And in just the last five months, he has been set free from pornography and has been walking in victory for about five months, and it's changed his, his marriage, it's changed his family, and he is finally walking in freedom because of what Jesus is doing in his life. And he's also been, yeah, we could celebrate that as well. He's also been delivered from some pretty debilitating anxiety, so God's really working in this guy's life, and he shared that with me and, uh, and just gave me permission to share without saying his name, so just exciting to hear some things that God's doing in people's lives. We're in a series called We Are One, and this is the last week of the We Are One series, and we've been talking about unity in this series, and this morning we're going to talk about handling conflict God's way. We're going to talk about handling conflict God's way, and today's going to be a little shorter sermon, a little shorter service, and we're going to, we're going to give you guys some extra time to hang out, grab a free coffee if that's your thing, and we're uh, going to just have a little bit of a shorter time today, but we're talking about conflict and how to handle conflict God's way. And the reality <clears throat> is that conflict is a part of life, right? Conflict's a part of life. We're imperfect people, and sometimes we hurt each other. Sometimes we offend each other, and sometimes we're offended by others. But how we respond to that can either build unity or it can destroy it. How we respond to conflict can build unity or it can destroy it. And how we navigate conflict will make or break our kingdom impact on the world. It really will. How we navigate conflict as a church will make or break our kingdom impact on the world. Our ability and our willingness to handle conflict God's way will profoundly affect our gospel influence in the lives of other people. It's not uncommon for conflict to happen among leaders in a church. Leaders are people too, and it's, it happens. It's a part, of, a part of the journey. 
is conflict happens between leaders sometimes. And years ago, I was a part of a church, and there was a conflict among the, the leadership. But before that, there was this season when God was just working so powerfully. And we were seeing people put their faith in Jesus, and, and the church was growing, and lots of visitors were coming, and lives were being changed. In fact, one night I was at a bonfire that we had. We had this bonfire, and we invited people to bring items that represented sin issues or struggles that they were turning from, items that represented areas that God was changing their lives, and to throw those items into the fire. And and after a a handful of people did that, and we were just kind of hanging out, a, a guy walked up to the fire who'd been going to the church for only a few months, had put his faith in Christ, God was working in his life, and he turned around with his back to the fire, and he looked at the crowd of people, and he pulled out a knife, and he said, this is the knife that I had planned to use to kill myself, but now because of what Jesus is doing in my life, I want to live, and he turned around, and he threw the knife into the fire. It was a pretty pivotal moment, a pretty... uh, pretty amazing testimony that he was giving. And we were seeing a lot of lives being changed in similar ways. God just doing great things in people in this season at this church. But this conflict arose among a couple of the leaders. And pretty soon, other leaders were taking sides. And then before long, the church attenders were taking sides. And within just a few short months, of it being a season of of just profound kingdom growth, the church fell apart, crumbled. Almost all the people of the church left, and many of the people were wounded deeply, spiritually, emotionally. In fact, some of my closest friends at the time, some of them never returned to the vibrant faith that they had had when God was working so powerfully in this community of believers. To this day, some of them are still not walking with the Lord like they were during that season of their lives. Now, I don't know all the details, and I certainly don't judge the leaders who were involved in this conflict. They're they're just people, and they're good godly people, but somehow the enemy devastated this church and its kingdom impact because conflict was not able to be reconciled in some way. And how we navigate conflict as a church will make or break our kingdom impact on the world. There's a lot at stake when we deal with interpersonal conflict. And when we don't do it God's way, we lose our gospel influence. And so this morning, we're going to open the Bible together, and we're going to look from the New Testament at three biblical principles for how to handle conflict God's way. Three biblical principles for how to handle conflict God's way. And the first one is confront directly. Confront directly. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, and many of us have heard this this passage. This is a a go-to passage when it comes to confrontation. Matthew 18, 15, Jesus says this. He says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. 
See, we all have a responsibility to talk to those who offend us. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. We must have the courage to go and talk to the person who hurt us. When we go to others instead, we triangulate those other people against the person who has bothered us in some way. And even if it's not intentional, what often happens is because it, it feels better to, to, to share with friends the, the discomfort that we're experiencing, because we, we, just, we just need support in this uncomfortable situation, we share with other people. And, and what often happens is those people pick up an offense that's not theirs. It's, it's mine, not theirs. And, but now I've given it to them. And so now they're offended. And part of the problem with that is that if I do choose to reconcile, if I do the right thing and have a conversation and that person apologizes, well, they weren't there for the apology. So now they have an offense that doesn't get reconciled. And so this is one of the ways that gossip manifests itself. See, gossip oftentimes is not me saying something negative about someone for fun because it's juicy and I like to talk about it. No, gossip, oftentimes, most often in the church, gossip happens when I share the way that I am hurt or I disagree with something someone did with someone other than the person who did it. And that stirs up distrust and offendedness in people who have no business carrying that around because it's not theirs, it's mine. Jesus says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. We must have the hard conversation. We must have the conversation that can lead to reconciliation. Now, when we feel threatened by someone, generally our tendency is either fight or flight. And most of us have heard that, a fight or flight response, right? And I think we think about that a lot in the context of a physical threat, but most often, as people who live in the United States of America, the, the threats that we encounter are usually not physical. They're usually relational, emotional. We're usually, when we feel threatened, it's by a person who makes us feel uncomfortable or does something that bothers us or hurts us. It's more relational and emotional. <clears throat> And we, we still have this fight-or-flight response. That's our tendency. We tend to run toward the conflict, or we tend to run away from the conflict. But the reality is that both fight and flight are damaging when it comes to conflict in God's church. Fight says, I'm feeling threatened, so I'm going to protect myself. Fight says, I'm going to get retribution. I'm going to get others to see that this person is at fault. Or, or it says, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Like, I'm going to go talk to them, and I'm going to tell them how I feel so that I feel better. i got to get it off my chest. That's a fight response. Flight says, I'm going to avoid this person. I'm going to retreat to supportive circles. Flight avoids the confrontation altogether, and sometimes flight has the conversation but minimizes the seriousness of the offense. Hey, this is really no big deal, but I just thought I'd let you know. It's really not a big deal. But... Maybe it is a big deal. And flight, the flight response 
oftentimes will want to lie about the seriousness to avoid having the honest, hard conversation, which fails to really resolve, resolve it properly. So what's God's answer? What's the biblical response to our tendency to fight or flight? The biblical response to fight or flight is grace and truth, Jesus in John 1.14, it says, The one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus said in Matthew 18, Go privately and point out the offense, that's truth. That's walking in truth. That's being truthful. And when he says, if the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. See, the goal of grace is reconciliation. Grace is God's answer for, your, for our tendency to fight. Grace says, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to protect myself at all costs. I'm going to work through a process of forgiveness. I'm going to make a brave and earnest attempt to reconcile with this person. Grace is God's answer for our tendency to fight. And truth, similarly, is God's answer for our tendency to take flight. Because truth says, I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to hide from this situation. Truth doesn't avoid this conf confrontation. Instead, truth says, I'm going to have the hard conversation and be honest about how this has hurt me or how this has affected me or how I feel like this is wrong. Truth doesn't minimize. It's real about the seriousness of something. So in grace and truth, God calls us to confront directly. Just a few months ago, I had a, a brother at Grace Church come to me, and we sat down in my office, and, and he shared with me some ways that I had hurt him last year. And it was, he did a fantastic job. He, he told the story <clears throat> of what I had done, and just how it affected him, how it made him feel, and he was honest, and he was truthful, and after, after he got done sharing, then he just listened well. And I was able to kind of give some context to why some of the things happened and help him understand a little different perspective. And then I was able to ask forgiveness and apologize. And, and we, were, we reconciled. And now we're good. In fact, in some ways, not knowing this person super well, we have that situation kind of behind us and under our belt. And so our relationship is probably a little better today than it was before any of that even happened. And oftentimes that is the reality. When, when there's an offense and forgiveness is offered and restoration happens, a relationship oftentimes grows closer and deeper than it ever was before the offense happened. If conflict is, is handled God's way. See, God calls us to confront directly. Principle number two, don't put conflict off. Don't put conflict off. Matthew 5, 23 and 24, Jesus says, If you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now we have, to, we have to keep in mind that this is Matthew chapter 5. This is before the cross. 
This is pre-Christian Jewish community. These are God's people before the cross. And so Jesus is speaking to a community of believers to whom the, the offerings at the altar were tremendously important. This was a hugely important thing that Jesus is talking about when he, when, he, when he references a person giving a gift at the altar. Few things compared to the importance of this before Jesus fulfilled the law. And in fact, much of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible that the Jews memorized, was dedicated to worship offerings. That's how important this was. Offerings were critically important to the pre-cross community of faith. And Jesus is saying, even if you're doing something as important as a worship offering, leave your gift at the altar. Go and be reconciled. And then come back and finish, finish offering your gift. Jesus is saying, don't put it off. Don't put it off. In the Greek language, and I've mentioned this in previous sermons, order indicated importance. And Jesus is saying that reconciliation coming first is paramount. Reconciliation is paramount. Jesus says, stop what you're doing and go reconcile. This is how critical dealing with conflict is. It should be handled as soon as possible. But oftentimes we have a tendency to put conflict off. Many of us do. We have a tendency to put confrontation off because it's scary and, and it's uncomfortable, and so we tend to wait. <clears throat> and we can justify it. We justify it in a variety of different ways. You know, we wait for the situation to be right. Oh, so-and-so is having a, a really hard week. This just happened. I think I'll wait a couple more weeks before I put this on them. Or I know this is coming up, and I don't want to stress them out with the conversation now. We come up with reasons that at the time seem very valid to put confrontation off. But Jesus says, don't put it off. Don't put it off. Even... If you're offering a gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go reconcile to them. Then come and offer your gift. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes something kind that, that's related. And he says in, in Ephesians 4.26, he says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Because unresolved offense, an unresolved offense, often gets worse over time. An unresolved offense gets worse over time, not better. About 15 years ago, 14 years ago, when my family had just moved from Florida to or from, yeah, from Florida to Pennsylvania, the first year that we lived here, we went back to visit some friends in Florida. And we were there a week, and we packed the entire week with visits. I mean, we, it was like I didn't eat a meal without people. It was horrible. It was, it was nice to see people, but it was so exhausting. And we came, it was one of those vacations you come back and you're like, man, I just feel like I need a vacation. But I just got back from one. It was like that. And while we were there, when we first got there, we drove all the way down from Pennsylvania, Florida, got there late at night, 
and I opened the back of the van, and we brought our dogs with us, so we had dog crates. And I opened the back of the van, and the stuff had shifted during the drive. And so as soon as the van door opened, this dog crate slid out and hit me right in the leg. It was my right knee. Hit me right just under my knee. And it like kind of gashed my, my knee a little bit, but I didn't really think much of it. I unloaded the van, I threw a Band-Aid on it, and I don't think I changed that Band-Aid for like three days. I did not take care of it. And a couple, couple days went by, and it started to feel worse. It was sore. And about the third day, I started limping around. I'm like, Diana, I think I need to go to urgent care. Like, this isn't good. My knee doesn't feel right. So I went to urgent care, and the nurse said, yeah, you have an infection. It's like a staph infection, and you, we need to treat it right away because it's spread into your knee, and if we don't treat it now, it can do permanent damage to your joint. And so they gave me a couple of shots, an oral antibiotic, and within a couple of days, I started to feel much better. But because I didn't take care of it, it became infected and began to spread. And if it had gone on, it would have done permanent damage to my knee, my, knee, my joint. And an unresolved offense is a lot like that. It grows over time when it's not dealt with. It spreads like an infection. It festers inside of us. And if we fail to deal with it, it can do permanent damage, both to our hearts and in the body of Christ, much like the church that I was a part of years ago. When we put off dealing with it, we give the enemy a foothold into our own lives and into the community of believers, which is why Paul says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. I think we could read this literalistically, literalistically, if you've never heard that word. That's where we kind of take everything and it's like, okay, it me, like give believers a holy kiss. All right, it means I got to kiss you every time I see you. No, okay. Paul is not saying that we have to do it before 6.35 at sunset. He's saying just take care of it as soon as possible. Like take care of it right away. Take care of an offense as quickly as you possibly can. That's what Paul's saying here. Otherwise, we give the devil a foothold in our own hearts and in the body of Christ. Jesus says, don't put conflict off. Now, there are special situations when reconciliation is not possible or necessary. They're rare. They're rare. But, but they're, they're not the norm. Maybe 1% of the time or less. But when there are issues of abuse when there are, there's mental instability or an inability to respond appropriately to confrontation, there are situations when reconciliation is not possible or necessary, but they're very rare, and the vast majority of the time, it is critical to reconcile as soon as possible. Principle number three, exercise extravagant grace. Exercise extravagant grace. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, God has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says. You know, the blood of Jesus doesn't cover your sin. It's washed it away. 
completely clean so that you are 100% clean in God's eyes. Old Testament sacrifices covered sin so that when the cross happened, they could be washed away. But now, in Christ, New Testament believers, God, Jesus, stepped off the throne of heaven, lived a perfect sinless life, and then traded that perfect track record for our messed up one so that we could be completely 100% clean in his eyes. His, his grace for us is so extravagant, supernatural. And when Paul says, forgive as the Lord forgave you, that word for as means to the same degree, in the same measure as the Lord has forgiven us. In a supernatural kind of a way, this extravagant grace that God's lavished onto us, God calls us to share with each other. And it is possible because of the Holy Spirit inside of us to do that, to genuinely forgive each other. I told the first service this, that the, the most gracious person that I know is my wife. She is a beautiful balance between grace and truth. She doesn't minimize stuff. She speaks the truth, but she forgives. I'm just so thankful for that. Grace begins on the inside. Grace begins on the inside. Sometimes forgiveness is a simple choice. You know, something happens and we can choose to forgive somebody. But sometimes things are a lot deeper than that and messier than that. And, and we have to work through a long process of forgiveness. But it's a process that always starts with a choice. And sometimes there's choice after choice after choice because we could choose to forgive somebody and then like a week later we're thinking about it again and rehearsing that conversation we had or would like to have and we're like, oh man, I'm, I'm doing it again. I've got to choose to forgive again. Grace begins on the inside. I'll share a little, a little process with you guys. I didn't share this with the first service, so this is, this is a bonus. But this is a process that I've used many times in my life, and, and other, I've walked other people through it too. If there's someone that you're feeling offended by, take a piece of paper or a journal and, and go ahead and, and write out all the ways that that person has offended you. And, and do it as, as a prayer. Write it all out, like in the presence of God. And it feels kind of good when you're mad at somebody. You're like, oh yeah, it actually feels good to get all this stuff out. And then go through and one by one say, God, I forgive them for, and then cross off the first one. God, I forgive them for, cross off the next one. And then when you get to the end, write in big letters, forgiven over the whole thing. It is a fantastic exercise because grace begins on the inside and we have to get our hearts right with a person. Sometimes before we walk into a confrontation, being a unified church requires that we handle conflict God's way. It requires that we handle conflict God's way. Because God's working at Grace Church. So many people who put their faith in Jesus, lives being changed, people being delivered from things like pornography. But you know what? All that goes away. All that stops. Just like the church that I, that I referenced, that I was a part of years ago. All that stops if we fail as a community of faith to handle conflict God's way, and we allow things to fester and the enemy to get a foothold in our church. And so, if we want to be a unified church, we have to know how to handle conflict God's way, and we have to have the courage to do it. 
there was a, uh, about 10 years ago, I was working with uh, another leader and, and there was a, a way that I had hurt him pretty deeply. And I didn't realize that I had done so. And, um, and I think looking back, the reality is, yeah, I, I was wrong. And I should not have responded the way that I did. But at the time, it just felt kind of like a gray area to me. It felt like I was doing the right thing. And so over about six or eight months, I didn't realize I had hurt him. I just knew things were tense and things were, uh, and, and, and I was just bothered by him. But I didn't realize that he had this deep offense toward me. And, and like eight months after it happened, he came to me and he shared with me what had happened and the ways that I had hurt him and uh, the way that it made him feel. And, and, uh, and I had to ask forgiveness. I had to repent and I had to just like admit that I was wrong. And then about a month later or so, I, I waited intentionally. I waited a month because I didn't want him to feel like I was like turning it around on him. And after about a month or six weeks, I came back and I said, hey man, like you waited like eight months to bring that up with me. <laughs> I, I need you to bring things up with me right away. And so we made this covenant together that we would always share an offense right away when we have one toward each other. And we have for the past decade and it's been awesome. And we're closer today than we've ever been. And that is so important in the body of Christ that we handle conflict well and appropriately because the enemy wants to use it to divide us and to destroy all that God's doing and all that God wants to do. How we navigate conflict will make or break our kingdom impact. And as a church, we must handle conflict God's way. So I'm going to pray. And, and while I pray, I want to invite you guys to just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit right now because I'm going to ask God to bring to mind individuals that he might want you to talk to. Maybe somebody who you've hurt or somebody who's bothered you in some way. And so let's close our eyes together. and Let's, let's pray a simple prayer. Say, God, Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would bring to mind the person or people that we need to reconcile with. That if there's someone who I have hurt or who's hurt me, that I just need to talk to and make things right, God, would you bring that person to mind right now? And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would strengthen us and give us the courage and the grace to handle conflict the way that you call us to. We love you so much, God, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hosting for this podcast has been brought to you by Anchor from Spotify. Our intro and outro song is Creative Mind by Ben Sound. From all of us here at Grace Church, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.